Welcome to the Generations Church Podcast. This is Brian Nugent, and I'm the pastor at Generations Church. Thanks for listening today. We have a guest speaker with us, and we hope that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Hey, we are honored this morning uh, to have uh, Jeff and Liz Hartensfeld with us. Uh, Jeff is the regional director for Asia Pacific. That is 40 countries that go from Vanuatu and Guam all the way to Myanmar. There are about a billion people that live in that window. There's about 35,000 Assemblies of God churches in that footprint. There are about 400 missionary units that Jeff gives direct oversight to. His office is in Springfield, but his heart is in Indonesia. For 23 years, they served as missionaries to Indonesia. They planted churches. They pastored churches. They raised their family in the fourth most populous nation on earth, the number one nation with Muslims in it. Uh, They spent 23 years there. So uh, I'm not bringing you some cold corporate bureaucrat this morning. I'm bringing you a person that if they hadn't have asked him to take on this next role, they'd still be in Indonesia. So after service today and they leave here, they are headed to Indonesia for about two weeks of ministry and uh, in different different parts of the of Asia Pacific. And uh, so we're really glad to have them. Now, at the end of the service, we're going to do a couple of things that we always do. Uh, we're going to pray for them. We're going to pray for that region of the world. And then we're going to take a digital offering. So uh, if you want to give uh, to their ministry, there's a drop down on our app and our website. You can do this online. Just says guest speaker, guest missionary. If you want to write a check, there's a drop box in the foyer. And uh, so we are very, very honored to have them with us this morning. We're going to show a video. It's going to be their introduction. Would you give them a hand this morning as Jeff comes? is a sound. Can you hear it? It searches, searches for those that will listen. Drifting, distant, desperate. It whispers in the ears of those that believe. It shouts in the streets, straining to be heard through the overwhelming noise. Can you hear us? The collective cry of fallen humanity, devoid of a savior. Centuries have passed without hope. We live here, hidden in the far away places. Our lands, strange. Our culture, a mystery. Our hearts, empty. Our people cling to anything that resembles truth. But what we seek remains out of reach. Our brutal spirits on the edge of breaking. Our prayers unanswered. Our gods stay silent. We are the never reached. We are still waiting. 
a sound. It echoes in our ears. It wakes us in our sleep. A voice in the wilderness. A message 2,000 years old. A final command. Go. A simple but profound directive from a saving God. With our victory assured, we journey to the ends of the earth. We climb mountains, trekked through jungles, landed on forgotten islands, searching. Many have received, but far too many still remain. Too many haven't heard, too many don't know. This unfinished task is our urgent kingdom mission. Chosen, seen, heard, called. Can you hear them? Nations, cities, tribes, people. They are the never reached. They've waited long enough. There is a sound. Can you hear it? All right, good morning, Generations Church. I wasn't sure if I should wait for the light like Pastor did this morning in the opening of service. It is so great to be with you here today. And thank you so much, Pastor Brian and Generations Church, for the invitation to have a chance to share with you this morning. And one thing I'm learning about your church is you are into missions, and that's a great, great thing, especially for a missionary. So thank you so much for your generosity, your hearts for missions. And I know that God is going to bless you in these days as, we, as, we sh as you have your missions convention. Uh, a couple things I want to um, mention is that uh, today as you go, we've got um, our prayer cards that are available to you. And then if you're wondering about what those 40 countries are and where they are, um, we've got a little map that um, you can pick up on your way out of church today. It's just a prayer map to help you pray for our part of the world. So uh, I hope that you enjoyed that video. Uh, all of those clips were actually taken by our missionaries, and the video was put together by our missionaries. So the things that you saw are the things that the missionaries of Asia Pacific see on a regular basis. And so we hope your hearts were stirred and your hearts were moved. Um, we just know that God has his eye on that part of the world. Now, one of the themes of the video was you saw the word never reached a few times. And you know, one of the things about the Asia-Pacific part of the world that is really kind of unique is that many parts of Asia-Pacific have not yet received the gospel. Now, I know that missionaries are constantly saying that, okay? I, I want to kind of clarify here that parts of Asia-Pacific and even some other parts of the world have no Christian history whatsoever. So it's not like there's a bunch of churches there we're trying to still, you know, clean up and reach people that haven't heard. I mean, there's literally people even in Tallahassee, Florida, that haven't heard the gospel yet. And yet, 
These are geographies and peoples that have not heard the gospel in all of human history. And there is a difference. There's no existing church to tell them. There's no existing Christians to tell them. And so in Asia Pacific, one of the things we're passionate about is to see the gospel and to see churches planted in places where they've never been planted before. And Liz and I had the privilege of doing that during our years in Indonesia, um, where we had the opportunity over 23 years to plant eight churches. And I know that it doesn't seem like a lot, eight churches, but we actually pioneered them and pastored them before we released them uh, to someone else. But um, it was a great journey to pastor those eight churches. And doing it in a Muslim context is sometimes slightly more difficult than some of the other contexts where you see the church planted. And I will tell you that even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of difficulty, that we serve a faithful and an amazing God. Amen? That he is always faithful and he's always there with you no matter what you're going through. Whether you're in a Muslim country, a Hindu, Buddhist, or even in a country like the United States where cultural challenges are happening all the time. God is still on the throne and God is still faithful. This morning I want to share with you a, a, a scripture found in Revelation chapter 5, verses 6 to 12. Um, your theme is build your church. Uh, the theme of our mission this year is he is worthy. And I want to read the scriptures associated with this theme of he is worthy. And I don't know if the worship team planned their music around my message, but I want that song, He is Worthy, that you did. I'm kind of looking. I see one worship person over here. Um, But no, that was an awesome song to go along with what I want to talk about this morning because He is worthy of praise. He is worthy of glory and honor. And one of the things about missions, one of the reasons why we do missions is because there are places on earth where the name of Jesus is not being glorified, has not yet been glorified. And one of, the, one of the reasons why Jesus hasn't returned is because we haven't established worship yet among every tongue, every tribe, and every nation. And if you've read the Bible and you've read the book of Revelation, you got to know that the purpose behind the Lord is that mankind from every walk of life would worship him in spirit and in truth. And really that's the work of missions in some ways as you summarize it into a nutshell that the reason we do missions is to establish worship of the Lord Jesus Christ around the world. I'm going to share on that scripture this morning, but I'm going to be telling some stories about some of the things that God is doing around Asia Pacific. So let me begin by starting with Revelation chapter 5 and verse 6. It says this, Then I saw a lamb that looked as if it had been slaughtered, but it was now standing between the throne and the four living beings and among the 24 elders. He had seven horns and seven eyes, which represent the sevenfold Spirit of God that is sent out into every part of the earth. 
He stepped forward and took the scroll from the right hand of one sitting on the throne. And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song with these words, You are worthy to take the scroll and break the seals and open it, for you were slaughtered and your blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have caused them to become a kingdom of priests for our God, and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked again, and I heard the voices of thousands And millions of angels around the throne of the living beings and the elders. And they sang in a mighty chorus, Worthy is the Lamb who was slaughtered to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. May God add his blessing to the word today. Today I want to just talk about three things that he is worthy of. You know, I'm sure if, if you thought about this idea of he is worthy of praise, and I asked you, why is he worthy of praise, there'd probably be a lot of answers around the room. Some of you were saying he's worthy of praise because Florida State beat Syracuse last night. You know, I, I'm not sure... Football is that important to the Lord. And man, I don't want to ruin my sermon now ahead of time. I'm going to say a couple things today that might make you feel uncomfortable. But as important as football is, I want you to know that praising Him is more important. And so let's look and see here why He's worthy or what He's worthy of. And and the first thing I want you to know is that He is worthy of praise. He's worthy of praise. Now, I know that's a simple thing, but I want to give you right now a lot of reasons why He's worthy of praise. The first thing I want to say about why He's worthy of praise is He's worthy of praise because He saved you and me. You know, I'm, I'm a missionary, so, you know, I've been in this thing for over 30 years. I got saved as a teenager, but there was still a point in my life where my pastor threw the net out in church, and I was one of the fish that came in in that net. You know, uh, sometimes people see preachers, and they think we came out of our mother's womb with a Bible in our hand, and we walked around, and we started preaching already. No, I want to let you know that everybody at some point in their life has had to say yes to Jesus, has had to say, has had to say yes, Lord Jesus, thank you for saving me. And, and I want you to know that no matter how long you've been in this Christian thing, no matter how long you've been with Jesus, don't ever get too far away from the idea that you were a sinner that only got saved by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ can't ever get too far from that. And I want you to know that for me, the story of someone giving their heart to Jesus never gets old to me. 
You know, uh, Pastor mentioned Liz and I now, you know, um, we have a ministry that spans 40 countries. And, you know, on this trip he talked about, we'll be in uh, Singapore, Malaysia, Brunei, and Indonesia over, you know, a couple week uh, period of time. And um, one about, during, under the, the time of COVID, we made a visit to Indonesia. And, you know, the restrictions there were definitely repressive. And unfortunately, while we were there, the Delta variant hit the country. And it was bad for them because the healthcare system already teeters on disaster without a pandemic. And so um, planes were shut down. Boats were shut down. It's a country of seven. 17,000 people, and we were getting ready to get our international flight to leave and to get to the capital. We needed to somehow secure overland transportation. So a friend of mine who had uh, cars, and he's, he's got a big business in Indonesia, he said, I'll get you there. So he sent a car with a driver to pick us up. And when I, when I was being picked up at the place where we were staying, we were putting our luggage in the back of the car with this uh, driver who was not a Christian, I saw a Bible in the back of the car. Now, I was a little nervous because, you know, Muslims in general treat the Quran as if the book itself is holy. So they would never put it on the ground. They would never write in it. They would never underline a verse. They, they, they kind of carry this thing. When they open it, they kiss it. You know, it's a, the book itself is holy. So check, you know, Christians are careful with their Bibles there. And I see this Bible in the back of the car, and I thought, oh, no, this Christian person I know put his Bible in the trunk of the car. I wonder what this guy thinks. So I'm loading the luggage in, and as I'm talking to him, he noticed I kept looking at the Bible, and he said, I noticed you've been looking at that Bible. It's my Bible, and I've been reading it secretly when I wait in between the times where I'm driving people around. But he said, I have a lot of questions about what's in that book. I wonder if you could share with me and answer some of my questions. So for the next four hours, <laughs> yeah, over land, right? <laughs> no, the next four hours. You know, some people say, you know, preaching the gospel. What I'm doing right now in some ways really isn't like preaching because, you know, a lot of people here already believe, but true preaching the gospel is when you've got the undivided attention of someone who's discovering Jesus for the first time ever. And so for four hours, you know, I, I, un, I, I unpacked the scriptures for him. I opened up the verses and he kept asking all these questions and we got to our destination and he wasn't ready to receive Jesus. I laid, I put my hands on him. I prayed for him. And we departed. But a number of months ago, we went back to visit Indonesia, and we're going to have dinner with this same friend of ours. He sent this car and the same driver to pick us up. And this guy was the same guy. He picked us up at our hotel. We, we pulled forward just a little bit. He turned around and looked at us with a smile, and he said, I've accepted Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. And we were able to connect him with a church, and he's growing in the Lord. And, and when I saw him more recently here, just a couple of weeks ago when I was there, he said, uh, 
You know, I want you to know that the hair is standing up on the back of my neck when I consider that this December I'll celebrate the birth of Jesus for the first time in my entire life. We, we, we get excited about Christmas, about what gift we're going to give or what gift we're going to receive. He doesn't even know about Santa Claus. He doesn't even know about gift giving. He said, the hair on the back of my neck is standing up because I'm considering celebrating the birth of Jesus who saved me. He's worthy of praise because he saves people. And maybe you've got friends, maybe you've got family, maybe you're here today or watching online today and you've never said yes to Jesus. I want you to know that he's worthy of praise because he's saved your soul. I also want you to know that he's worthy of praise just because he's worthy of praise. (laughs) Boy, you know, um, while while we served in, in Indonesia, uh, I pastored a, a church, and as I was doing my studies one day in the Old Testament, I realized that David and Solomon had established 24 hours of worship in the temple. And I thought to myself, there's got to be some benefit in that, right? You know. So I considered it all, and I announced to the church that we would do 24 hours of worship on one of the holidays there in the country. Now, one of the nice things about living in Indonesia is we get all the holidays of every major religion. All the Christian holidays, all the Buddhist holidays, all the Hindu holidays, and all the Muslim holidays. We have so many holidays in Indonesia, it's a surprise we get any work done, right? (laughs) And the government made this wise choice a number of years ago that any holiday that follows on a Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday, they move it to Monday or Friday so we can have long weekends. Oh, yeah. We look forward to Memorial Day and Labor Day. Multiply that times 10, right? Yeah. So anyway, we, we, would, uh, we had this extra, you know, um, we call them red letter days. You know, we had these extra uh, holiday. And so I said, on this day, the, uh, the day before, at 7 p.m., we're going to be at the church, we're going to start to worship, and we're going to worship for 24 hours. Now, the same band didn't play. We changed bands out every two hours. And uh, somebody said to me, what if nobody comes, Pastor Jeff? No, like 24 hours of worship. Like, and I said, well, first of all, you don't have to come to all of it. Just come to some of it. I said, secondly, I'll be there and the worship pastor will be there because I pay a salary, you know. <laughs> but I said, we worship the Lord not because there's an audience, but because he's worthy of praise. You know, aside from 10 to 10.30 every Sunday morning, is he worthy of praise at other times during the week? So two rules during our 24 hours of worship were no preaching. Somebody say amen. No preaching and no intercessory prayer. What? You bad pastor, you. You know, you told people they weren't allowed to do intercessory prayer. And I said, no, because this 24 hours is not about asking God for anything. 
No, we didn't come here to say, Lord, help me find a new job. Lord, heal my aunt, heal my daughter or son, or do something for me. It was all about, Lord, we're setting aside all our needs. We're setting aside all the things we want to say in preaching. And all we're going to do for 24 hours straight is say, Lord, you are worthy of praise. And you'd think we'd run out of gas, but I want you to know that there were waves of glory that landed on the church. And even though we didn't ask for healing, guess what? People got healed. Even though we didn't ask for direction, God gave direction. And so lives were changed and people were touched because he is worthy of praise. I'll tell one more story along this idea of the fact that he's worthy of praise. When Liz and I were serving, we, we, when we first started out in the country, you know, we were in our early 20s, you know, and... Um, it's interesting when you're a new missionary and you're like, what are you good at is what they asked me. And I said, well, I don't, you're in your 20-something, you know. And we're like, well, we're, we work hard. We love people, you know. I think I'm a good communicator. That was about all we had, you know. Liz was great at doing children's ministries. So they put us in, a, in an outstation somewhere, and we were in a Bible training center where we were serving. And during that time, Liz became pregnant with our first daughter, and... Uh, the hospital was a two and a half hour drive from where we were serving. So, you know, you don't leave things to chance, you know what I'm saying? So, you know, after Liz was pregnant a month or two, we thought, well, maybe we should go to find a doctor, really confirm this and figure out where we're going to have this baby. So we drove to this city, two and a half, sometimes three hour drive away. We got to the city and it was a, a Muslim city of a population of 750,000 people. So I don't know how big Tallahassee is, but that'll give you an idea of pretty big city. And it was a, a Christian kind of hospital, but it was walled in. They had a little chapel. And, of course, I'm with Liz in the waiting room, and I'm, I'm like a nervous guy, you know, and I'm pacing back and forth. And, you know, Liz finally said, you're driving me crazy, you know, you're pacing. Go out. I'm, not, I'm only two months pregnant, you know. I'm not due tomorrow, so go take a walk somewhere. So I had a few minutes to go out into the city, and I started to walk around in that city of 750,000 people, and it struck me that my child would be born in a place with really no Christians and no churches. And I said to myself, that can't stand. No, we, we've got to do something about that. So uh, during our months leading up to the birth of this baby, we had platform to live in that city. And for seven and a half months, we preached the gospel and we went there and we shared with people and I prayed for sick people and did all kinds of stuff. And after seven months, there had been no miracles and there had not been one person that decided to get saved. So, you know, this is not uncommon in the Muslim world, by the way. You could go a long time. And it wasn't for lack of effort, you know. We, we really were pouring our lives into this thing. And at the end of the... Um at the end of the time there, uh, we were about to kind of throw in the towel and say, well, it, you know, we did give our best effort. But we were still there on a weekend, and I was out doing my rounds, so to speak, just visiting people, sharing Christ with them. And one of our nearby neighbors invited us into his house. And we were 
drinking tea and hanging out. I was with one of the students from the Bible training center who had started to come on weekends to help me. And uh, the man in the house, the the patriarch, we'll call him, looked at us and said, "Uh, by the way, my mother is in the next room and she's dying. He said she's been a lifelong diabetic and we're run, we've run out of resources to help her. She's been in a diabetic coma for three days, and we expect her to die at any moment. Without thinking, the, the young student next to me said, God can heal her. And I looked over at him, and I thought, don't overpromise here, you know. And he goes, no, it's all the stuff you've been teaching us at the Bible school for the last number of months, right? And I'm like, yeah, no. It's kind of like we all believe in healing, but when it's down, you know, to that moment. So uh, we walked into the room where this woman was lying with her son. And before we prayed for her, I said, let's just worship the Lord. Let's just start to sing some choruses to the Lord. And at that moment, in that room, in that city, we began to worship the Lord. And one thing that struck me was now, for the first time in human history, that ground was hearing the worship and praise to the Father in heaven. You see, He's worthy even in dark places. He's worthy even in hard places. He's worthy even when someone's dying. He is worthy. And we just began to worship the Lord. And and it was just crazy that as we began to worship the Lord, we weren't really that great at singing or singing those choruses. But it was almost as if the roof of the house opened up and the glory of God shone down into that room. And we barely laid our hands on that woman. And she sat up in bed. She sat up and came out of her diabetic coma. It was the start of that church. (laughs) Because the son sitting in the corner of that room with his hands over his head didn't know what he was experiencing. And he said, look, I don't understand everything you teach. I don't ever understand everything you believe. But what I just saw and what I just felt was real. What must I do to be saved? And so the first believers came to Christ there in that place with that family. And, you know, that was the start of the church. But what was more amazing was not only did this uh, woman get, uh, come out of her diabetic coma, but she was healed of her diabetic condition. And so we didn't need to advertise the church after that. <laughs> she advertised for us. She told everyone that Jesus had healed her. That church today has a thousand people in it. That young man who sat with who sat next to me and said God can heal her is still the pastor of that church today and has made an incredible impact on a city of 750,000 people and changed their course. You know, the last thing I want to say about he is worthy of praise is that he's worthy of praise because he answers our prayers. 
You know, I love this imagery in, in this uh, verse of Scripture in verse 8. He says, And when he took the scroll, the four living beings and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb. Each one had a harp, and they held gold bowls filled with incense, which are the prayers of God's people. I want you to know that today there are incense bowls in heaven that are being filled up with your prayers. I don't believe that prayers bounce off of ceilings. I don't believe that prayers fall to the ground. I believe that every prayer you pray is filling an incense bowl in heaven. And maybe you're here today and you would say, Brother Jeff, I've been praying for a long time for something. I've been praying for a long time for a family member. I've been praying a long time for a healing. I've been praying a long time for relief from this, that, or the next thing. I've been praying a long time that God would sweep across our area with revival. There's an incense bowl in heaven with your name on it, with your prayer request on it, and it's being filled up, and there's a moment where that bowl is going to overflow, and God is going to answer the prayer that you've been praying for a long time. And you see, that was the story of that city where we planted that church that people had been praying for a long time. We were just there as the bowl for the, that city was outpoured on that place. Praise God for answered prayers. Praise God that your prayers are going to be answered someday. So don't give up. Keep filling up those incense bowls in heaven. And God is going to be faithful to pour them out on his people as they get filled up. He's worthy of prayer because he answers our prayers. Second thing I want you to know is that he's worthy of sacrifice. He's worthy of sacrifice. You know, I can't count how many times in that scripture there were a number of times where it refers to the lamb as being slaughtered. I, I want to remind us all again that Jesus sacrificed for you and for me. When, when God allowed himself to be put in a human form, in a human body, and Jesus then was, was on the cross and, and suffered incredibly for us, those were real physical pains that he suffered for you and for me. And one of the things I want to just say to you is that he is worthy of us also sacrificing for him. You know, I, I do know that Salvation comes as a gift from God. But I want you to know as a, as a debtor, as someone who's received that gift from Christ, I want to give my body as a living sacrifice back to him. You know, this is part of the problem in the world today is we think our bodies are our own to do with what we want. And I want you to know that as a follower of Jesus, we give our bodies to him. This body, this temple is a living sacrifice that I give to the Lord Jesus Christ, not mine to decide what I do with. He is worthy of sacrifice. And I want you to know that the mission costs. It costs something. I got this email just a number of days ago, not that long ago, a couple of days ago. One of our missionaries wrote this. I can't give name, place, any of that stuff, but here's what he wrote. He said, today... We had a bad encounter on the road. 
Three bandits came out of the bush about a hundred feet ahead of me, one brandishing a gun. I did not have much time to think. I stopped on the road and I opened my window about a third of the way and rebuked the two that came to my side of the car in the name of the Lord announcing we were Christians. I don't know if that's the best thing to do, but you know, <laughs> that's what he did. <laughs> the guy with the gun hesitated slightly, but the gun was pointed at my face. He was close enough that I grabbed the barrel of the gun and twisted it up toward the sky. The barrel twisted out of the rest of the gun, and it turned out to be a homemade gun. Now, I, I want you to know that homemade guns work. This wasn't just like, you know, a plastic gun that they bought in the store. This was something with a steel tube and really could fire bullets, but obviously it was put together in such a manner that it came apart, but it certainly could have fired. I only know that because I've seen those homemade guns before. The guy with the gun hesitated slightly. Oh, sorry. Uh, he was close enough. I grabbed the barrel of the gun, twisted it up toward the sky. The barrel twisted out of the rest of the gun. It turned out to be homemade. He looked down at it like, what am I going to do now? The guy on my wife's side started to strike her window with a large rock. Fortunately, it held up. As soon as I got the gun barrel, my wife shouted, go, go. And I did. And we are okay. I have a slight ligament issue in my thumb and a bruising on my arm from the scuffle with the gun, but I think we'll be okay. I wasn't sure who I should tell because I don't want this to go public because my children and grandchildren may worry about me while I'm there. Thank you for your prayers on our behalf. You know, it can be dangerous here too, I know, but... He was on his way to preach the gospel in some crusades and do some training work and had to travel through a dangerous part of the country. Why do we support 107 missionaries? It's because they're laying their lives down to share that good message. They're sacrificing, being away from family, being away from children, being away from grandchildren, and yet risking their lives. And yet part of this email was not, I quit and I'm giving up. It was just pray for our safety because it's increasingly becoming more and more in jeopardy. But they say he's worthy of sacrifice. One more I'll share, and I could share a lot. I get these letters all the time. Um, <clears throat> a young couple in our mission who uh, just starting out um, in language school, and, you know, they, they rented a home. By the way, this couple has three children, um, under, four and under, okay? So they've got little kids. Uh, three children, four and under. And, and by the way, so they, when you rent a home in a place in some of these uh, foreign countries, um, you have to pay the whole rent up front. 
So they, like this couple rented this home for the year they'd be in language school. They had to pay the full year's rent up front. And part of the reason why they do this is because after they get the money, they meaning the landlords, after they get the money, you know, you're kind of on your own if anything happens to the house. You know, if you're a renter here, you know, you contact your landlord. This isn't working. That's not working. And if they don't cooperate, you get a lawyer and you, you do something more serious, you know, or you complain somewhere. So it doesn't work like that in the third world. World, you get a house, you rent it, and then the money's gone, and you know you you live to the end of your contract, and then you've got to go or, or try to you know get a longer contract. So they start the email, and they said the other day we were in our living room, and we noticed dust started to fall from the ceiling, and I thought to myself, well, you know, maybe the Lord was sprinkling gold dust down on him or something, you know. And they said we also heard this grinding noise all the time in our house. Well, they realized that the entire house was being disintegrated by termites. Now, termites are a serious matter there. They, I've even had it where, you know, these big trusses that you see holding your church up, you know, they, they, they just crumble in your hand if they've been eaten by these termites. So a structural engineer came in and told them, if you don't get out of this house within days, the entire thing is going to collapse on you and your children. So they were writing and saying, hey, could we, um, could we get, uh, could, could we get some extra funds to get our house fixed and find a temporary place to live for a month while they do this? And of course, you know, the answer was yes. So why do we support missionaries? Sometimes things like this happen. So after that, you know, a couple, about a week or so later, they're out, they're moving for, you know, three kids and getting in this other place. And the, the wife writes and says, uh, we've got bad news. My husband just came down with typhoid. Um, typhoid fever is terrible, terrible disease and will just wipe you out. So the husband is down and out. And two days later, the wife wrote and said, and I just got diagnosed with COVID. Now, COVID now is not that big a deal, but during those days in this country, if you were found out to have COVID, the, the, the secret police would come in, take you, your children, and everybody away. They're sacrificing for the Lord. And I'll tell you why this story means something to me. Because that missionary wife is my daughter, and those three children are my grandchildren. You see, they're paying a sacrificial price. You know, my wife was like, hey, I'll go over and help them right away. But at that time, the whole country was under a quarantine. I said, by the time you land in the country and do a seven-day quarantine in a hotel, this thing will be over. You know... Our missionaries are sacrificing. You know, within a couple weeks, their house wasn't even fixed yet, but they'd gotten through their COVID. They had pulled themselves through typhoid, and they send us a picture. We're on a plane. We're headed to the island of Borneo because we're going there to hold services, and we're going to be sharing the gospel in these other places around there. And I'm like, why don't you take a break, for goodness sake? My daughter writes back and says, well, because you never took a break when you were a missionary. Did your kids ever do that to you before? Hallelujah, right? 
But you see, what drives the missionary to do those kind of things, to not take the breaks, to live through sickness, to live through danger, is because Jesus is worthy of sacrifice. And he's worthy of sacrifice because we really believe the message is true. I want you to know that we believe that Jesus really did come, really did die on the cross, really did rise again from the dead. And that is the message of hope for the world, and we're desperately trying to get that news out there. There is no other message, there is no other way of life under heaven that will save mankind from the destruction ahead, except the idea that Jesus died and rose again from the dead. And that message is being proclaimed everywhere around the world. And I'm so thankful for you as you help support missions and missionaries. The last thing I want to tell you is that he's worthy of riches. You know, at the end of those verses, and by the way, I I love the the scene that this paints for us. Um, You know, it says thousands and millions of angels, right? I mean, we had a team up here playing music, a couple of people singing, beautiful. We had the help of a sound system. But can you imagine when we're in heaven and there are a million angels singing a crushingly loud chorus? Whatever our souls are at that point, it's going to like shake us from the top of our head down to the bottom of our feet. Every inch of our being is going to be touched by the voices of those thousands and millions of angels. And then you and I are going to throw our power, our riches, our wisdom, our strength, our honor. We're going to give all that back to the Lord, right? So I want to focus on riches because part of what you're doing here at, at GC is you, you are, you, you're taking up faith promises. We're, we're asking you to say, hey, we'd like you to make a commitment to help support those missionaries. And if you've never done that before, I want you to know there's this amazing blessing in the act of giving to missions and in the act of seeing people from God, for God, from every tribe, language, people, and nation that ransoming them and seeing that worship take place in those places. But one of the things we're saying is when we get to heaven and we're going to cast our riches before the Lord, what are we going to do? Well, Lord, um, I, I had a little bit left over in my 401k, so here you go, right? Here's the deed to my house. Here's the, the bill of sale to my car. Some extra I had in my savings account. I'm taking it all and I'm throwing it all away. You know, by then... It's too late. The riches we'll throw down before the Lord are the kingdom investments that we've made here in this life. Lord, I invested. I didn't have much, but I made a small investment in getting the gospel out to people that don't look like me, that, 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 live, that speak different languages than me, that are of a different religion than me. Lord, I invested in this final vision. You're worthy of praise, and so you're worthy of my riches, Lord. So I'm just going to cast them down before you. And as we make those kinds of investments, God is going to not only bless you in the here and now, but in the kingdom to come, our riches will be counted there as a beautiful offering that we're going to give to the Lord. So many stories that I could 
share with you here about how your investments are, are making a, a, a big uh, change and a, and a big um, impact. One of the things we do in Indonesia is we build uh, churches. Now, I, I by the way, I, I joined your service last week online, and I watched the service, and I saw, you know, the, the different buildings that you got done. So I know we got some building team guys here. Um, if you... Uh, decide to come on a building trip with us, and uh, in this case, it'll be in Indonesia. I, I want you to know that this whole thing of he is worthy of sacrifice, yeah. You know, I have silver, gold, and platinum trips. And platinum is not like we fly business class and stay in five-star hotels, okay? That's the level of suffering that we'll endure to complete the mission. It's platinum because in heaven, the more suffering actually, the more, you know, your metal level goes up a little bit here. I was on one of those uh, trips last December. And, you know, it's not just, by, by the way, Liz and I will leave on the 14th in the morning, tomorrow morning, and we won't actually arrive in our, close to our destination in Asia until the 16th past midnight. It's like a two-day air trip to get there. And then you take another kind of domestic plane, and then you take a boat, and then you go by four-wheel drive, and then you walk for three to six miles. So by the time you get there, there's no hotels, you know. But I remember getting to one of these places. I called it the end of the earth, you know. Um, you've always wanted to go there, and we were definitely there. Little tiny village, lady pastor, and we looked at the church that she had, which was really just a bunch of bamboo nailed in the ground with some thatch over the roof and reaching the community there, just doing incredible work. And we were going to build, you know, the, the steel buildings. By the way, you won't have to carry the steel buildings to the site. The, the local church members have already done that on their shoulders two or three miles. But we're going to push the steel up, drill it, and do all this other business. And I'm standing there, and we, we asked the lady pastor if she would pray over the team as we built the church now. She started to pray. And she fell down on the ground on her knees and cried on the ground tears. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've been doing this for 20 years here in this little place. And now we're going to have a, a building that we can reach even more people. That offering of her tears on the ground were just worth so, so much. I'm going to close with this last story that we experienced while we were in Indonesia. And this is just kind of illustrates how the Lord, you know, when it comes to giving to missions, God is this just faithful, miraculous God, right? Um, we were pastoring in a city um, and our church was growing and doing really well. We had, we had uh, rented some shop houses in a local mall. It's hard in the Muslim world to find a, a legal place to rent without people persecuting you. But in this commercial space, we were able to get a place. And God was blessing the church. And as God was blessing the church, I said, um, well, the Lord was speaking to me. And out of our eight churches that were started, 
um, over a hundred more were started out of those eight. So, you know, God had given this like multiplication. And the Lord spoke to us and said, um, I want you to build a hundred churches for these churches in this next tier of, of people. So, you know, uh, we had the push-up steel things I saw in your picture in the box and all. And so I announced to the church and said, hey, we're going to build 100 churches, and each one costs $10,000. Now, I, I know you think $10,000 is a lot of money, but to build a 200-seat sanctuary for $10,000, I mean, if you were going to put an addition on your church, you wouldn't get through the planning board in Tallahassee for $10,000. Now, this is a done church with windows and doors and a floor and everything, right? So, um, so anyway, you know, but, but there were some people that were uneasy after the church meeting I called to tell this, and they came up to me and they said, Pastor, there's two problems with your plan. I said, what's the problem? And they said, how, they said, how good is your math? And I said, well, I'm a man of faith. I don't do math, you know. <laughs> that was the wrong answer, you know. They said, well, we did the math for you, and 100 churches at $10,000 apiece is a million dollars. How can we do that? That's impossible. No, we're a poor country. You're expecting us? How are we going to do that? And, of course, my answer was, well, one at a time. God will help us, you know. And they said, but there's a second, even bigger problem to what you're doing. And I said, well, what's that? And they said, the bigger problem is you're going to build a hundred churches for other people and we don't even own our own church yet. It's the reverse. You see, we got to take care of ourselves and then we can take care of others. And I said, well, that's just not the way God put it in my heart to do. we got to take care of what's going on out in the field and the mission and helping these other churches. And I just know that God will take care of us. So, um, you know, that started happening. We started to build these churches. And within a year of that announcement, the general manager of that, that mall where we were, where we were renting, came up to me and came and saw me and said, um, we're breaking your lease and we're kicking you out. And I said, no, we have like four years left on this lease. You can't do that. And, you know, he just said, no, we're doing it. You have to be out by, you know, a certain time. And, you know, and, and countries like this, you just can't get a lawyer and fight it. We had all the legal contracts, but it meant nothing. And so I announced again to the church, this is what's happening. And, of course, some of the people that didn't like my church building program were like, see, see, you know. <laughs> now where are we going to go? What are we going to do? And I said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to fast and pray. No, isn't, isn't that what we're supposed to do? We're going to fast and pray. So we had a 10 days of prayer and fasting already scheduled. We fasted and prayed for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, I went to see the owner of the property. And I went to him and I said, look, you know, he's a very powerful man in the country. And I, and I said, look, I know we can't fight you, and, but we're good clients. We want to stay where we are. Please don't kick us out. Um, but if you do decide to kick us out, I noticed in the back there's a big parking garage, and on the sixth floor, the top of the parking garage, it's underutilized. I wonder if you would let me build a church on top of the parking deck of this mall. 
He kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit and didn't really answer me, but said, you know, he would consider everything and then dismiss me from the meeting. And I thought nothing happened. I thought we were still going to get kicked out. But a week later, I received a cardboard tube in my office. And when I opened it up, it was the blueprints for a 1,000-seat sanctuary with 12 Sunday school rooms, a church office, and a lobby and a multi-purpose room that seated 200 people. And this man wasn't even a Christian, and somehow he came up with the blueprints for an amazing church building on top of the parking deck of the mall. Here's what's better. He built the entire thing for us with his own money. See, I learned that if I take care of God's business... He'll take care of my business, like, you know, and this is really in some ways what missions giving is about, is saying, Lord, I'm going to make a faith promise. It may be a small amount, five, ten dollars, twenty-five a month. Maybe you've never done one before. I challenge you to do something even small. Don't come to the end and say, I didn't invest anything in the expansion of your kingdom around the world. If you do that, I'm trusting that as you're taking care of what God's business is, that he is going to take care of yours. Let's pray. As a matter of fact, why don't I invite you to stand with me, and I'm going to just give a few challenges, turn things over to, to Pastor. I know he wants to close the service out with some other prayers, but I certainly want you to be ministered to today as well. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bless you, Lord. Let's just bow our heads and, and close our eyes and just take a moment in the presence of the Lord. What a scene in heaven that we saw this morning in Revelation. Friends, I want you to know that I long for that day where with people from every tongue, every tribe, every nation, people in Indonesia and Asia Pacific, will sing, Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the lamb that was slaughtered. Lord, here's my power, my riches, my wisdom. Everything I have, Lord, is yours. And I just worship you now. That'll, that's all that'll be left. We praising and worshiping him. Two things I want to close with. First of all, just as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, Maybe you're here today, maybe you're watching online, and you've never said yes to Jesus. And yet, while I was speaking, something was tugging you in your heart, just saying, yeah, that's me. I, I've never worshipped the Lord. I've never said He's worthy of salvation because I've never embraced the Lamb that was slaughtered for me, that was sacrificed for me. And the first step in being a follower of Christ is in your heart, just saying yes to Him. Not closing your heart, but saying yes to Him. And when you say yes to Him, you're in a place to say, you're worthy, Lord. Thank you for salvation. I want you to be like my, my friend in Indonesia that this Christmas 
The hair is going to stand up on the back of your neck because for the first time, you're truly worshiping Jesus, a Savior who saved you. And so if you're here today and you've never said yes to Jesus in your heart, you've never received Him as your Savior, you've never made that step to be a follower of Him or to say, I'm a Christian, I I want you to just raise your hand. No one is looking around. Just raise your hand and acknowledge that to him. If you're online, I'm sure there's a way that you could uh, put a hand up in the chat uh, section of wherever you're watching. Just want to give this a few more seconds here. I see that hand. You can put it down. Are there any others here this morning? Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Second thing I want to highlight here is Maybe you're here today and when I talked about prayers that bounce off the ceiling or fall to the floor, you would say, no, there's something I've been praying about and the incense bowl is not yet full. I'm waiting for that answer and I've been doubting. I feel like my prayers aren't making it to heaven. I feel like my prayers aren't getting to the throne of God. And you would say, Brother Jeff, I want you to add to my incense bowl this morning. I want you to pray with me this morning that that thing that I've been waiting on God for so long, maybe this is the day where the bowl tips over and it's poured out on you an answer that you've been waiting for and expecting for a long time. And so if that's you today, you've been waiting on one of those prayers for a long time, I want you to raise your hand and I want to add my prayers to yours today. Thank you for many, many who are responding. Many hands lifted up saying, yes, that's me. Yes, that's me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to close in a word of prayer, and then pastor's going to come and, and do a proper closing to the service. But Lord Jesus, I thank you for each and every one here today. I'm especially thankful, Lord, for the one that raised their hand and said, it's me. I say yes to Christ in my heart. Lord, I pray right now as they're even whispering to you, yes, Jesus. Yes, I receive you, Jesus. Lord, if there are those online that are saying yes to you right now, Lord, I pray that their yes would turn into a lifetime of worship of you, O God. Lord, I also pray for those that have been praying for a long time. Lord, those here in this room who lifted hands up that said, yes, I want my incense bowl to overflow. Lord, we add to the prayers today and we intercede on their behalf, whether it's for a healing, an unsaved loved one, a financial request. Lord, whatever their suffering might be, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, oh God, that you would just add to that bowl. Lord, that you would save up our prayers in heaven I add mine to theirs right now in Jesus' name. Even those watching online, Lord, if they're praying for long-term things, I ask God that you'd fill up their bowl, O Lord, that it would pour out upon us in answers to prayer, O Lord. We will be relentless, O God, and pray. We will be relentless in filling up our incense bowl. We will add to those prayers every day until the bowl is so full that it'll pour out on us, O God. So, Lord, I just ask in Jesus' name, Lord, that this week and this year, Lord, there would be answers to prayer. Lord, especially not just for those here, but those missionaries. 
the 107 missionaries of GC that are praying, Lord, that are asking you for a move of God. Lord, we ask and we add our prayers now to their bowls, oh God. We add our prayers of incense, Lord, and we ask that for those that have been struggling, those that, Lord, have been believing you for a move, that, Lord, you'd pour out your spirit in a special and in a powerful way in their lives, God. So we love you so much, Lord. And as we pray over our faith promises, Lord, I pray that you'd speak to us, Lord, that we would have faith, Lord, that some of our riches would be cast down before you, Lord. And they're yours, oh God, so that every tongue, every tribe, and every nation would know. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Jeff and Liz, would you come and stand in front of our congregation? Can I have some... Uh, that would just come. We're just going to pray for this whole area, this whole region, maybe some of our mission supporters. If you just have a heart you want to pray this morning, just come up, stand with Jeff and Liz. We're going to do a prayer at the end here. So some of you kind of move out where you're at. Let's, let's do a prayer with them today. Lord, we thank you for this couple that represent in the mission's footprint of the assemblies of God, Lord, over a billion people. 35,000 churches, 400 missionary units, wonderful people, Asian, just all kinds of different nationalities, unreached people groups of Japan and Vanuatu and Guam and Thailand and Cambodia and Vietnam and Indonesia, Laos, the Philippines, Myanmar, Lord, all of the the footprint of that area, Lord, we praise you. And Lord, we thank you that the gospel is going forward. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. We pray over every missionary that's in danger. Lord, we pray that you would watch over them and camp your angels about them. Lord, we pray, God, bold us and courage, Lord, as they plant the church and they build the church. Lord, we pray. We pray this couple represented... Lord, this morning over that whole region today, God, we pray that the gospel in the, in the midst of a tough time, Lord, would go forth in power. In the midst of darkness, there's going to be a light of the gospel that's going to shine across that, that, that region, Lord. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, as Jeff and Liz leave and they go for several uh, weeks of ministry, Lord, in different countries. We pray for safe travel. God, we pray for refreshing of the past pastors and leaders that they're going to minister to. We pray for fresh resource. We pray for fresh vision across that nation. God, we pray today. We pray today, Lord. We give you thanks. We give you thanks in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you for listening to the Generations Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message today and pray God's greatest blessings on you. For more information about Generations Church and its ministries, check out our webpage at gctlh.org or follow us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter.